You're listening to SpursCast, episode 488. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the SpursCast. Joining me for this episode is Project Spurs' Michael DeLeon. Michael, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, but uh, I think everybody else around my area is probably on suicide watch right now. But uh, for me, everything's okay. It's uh, just another Tuesday night. Yeah, because you're, you're referring to the, the LaMarcus news, and then, of course, all the drama with Kawhi last the week. The loss, too. Uh, all you need is two losses in a row, and... and people start to going a little crazy so yeah, yeah it, it's like double right now it's all stacked up because you've got two things now because everybody's probably worried about uh Aldridge as well oh yeah that definitely that's something to the spurs are right there you're, like you mentioned let's go ahead and jump into the show mike um you know the first topic this is actually a rare podcast mike where this is actually the first episode where i'm actually recording it on a game night um due to some scheduling conflicts i couldn't cu- quite get an episode up before uh on an off day like i usually do all season so hey not bad for my scheduling part to have one little error here. Um, anyway, so so the Spurs did just lose to the Washington Wizards. You and I are listening to this on t- – I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, so the Spurs had just free, uh, recently lost within like 30 minutes of the last loss. Uh, so basically the Spurs were close within the first quarter. You know, they had a three-point lead. And then second quarter comes and the, and the Wizards bench of all, of all people, you know, it was the bench that actually uh, got, a, got a big separation on the Spurs. And with the Spurs down 14 points, uh, you saw LaMarcus taking a, uh, a knee from, um, from Otto Porter Jr. And he basically checked out of the game at the 153 mark in the second quarter. He didn't return for the second half. And now the Spurs are saying he, he, he sat out the rest of the game with what the Spurs are calling a left knee contusion. And I looked up his injury history this year and it hasn't been his left knee. It's been more so his right knee that's bothered him this year. So this is obviously like you mentioned about, um, you know, Spurs fans being concerned is that there's a new injury um, added to, added to the Spurs uh, with LA. Um, before this, Mike, uh, before this Aldridge news, Stephen and I had recorded last weekend, and we both hit our predictions two and one. We thought the Spurs would go just different losses. Uh, they beat the, the the Wizards actually last week by eight. Then they beat the Jazz by four, and then uh, they lost to the Bucks on the road by three. And obviously, Dejounte Murray got some heat for taking a, a quick shot uh, with no time left. But then also Pop got some heat for not calling the timeout and and not you know kind of just leaving Murray out there. Um, so kind of just a culmination of these four games that I've just mentioned. Um, your kind of takeaways. Yeah, I didn't think, I mean, I thought, I mean, they were able to, you know, keep that streak going at home. And then, you know, once they had uh, Milwaukee come up, I mean, I kind of saw that as, especially with Josh um, uh, Giannis coming back, I thought that was going to be a really tough game for them. And, and they've got some good efforts out of uh, Aldridge and, and Powell, and they just couldn't get done at the end. But it was just that third quarter that killed them. Other than that, I thought they were playing pretty good basketball up until, I mean, and I can't really... I think that quarter is really the only thing you can of this entire stretch. That one quarter was really the one thing you can like take issue with and how they played. But um, yeah, other than that, I thought I thought they had done fine. I mean, it was just that kind of classical reaction that we're used to uh, because it all kind of came down on that last play. But it felt like I mean it was lost before then. Obviously, with the you know when you let a team score forty one points in the third quarter and kind of saw that a little bit tonight when they let to Washington score 38 in the second. Um, so it's just a few things that they need to, obviously anytime, I mean, Kawhi's already out, but anytime you lose Aldridge, who's been the guy that's taken over uh, Western Conference player of the week and you lose him, I mean, they're losing a lot there. So they were able to make it competitive at the end, which was uh, kind of impressive, but it still goes down as loss another uh, road loss, which they've, I think they're like two and nine now um, since last month on the road. So 
Starting some road woes there. Yeah, I think that's the big part of it is, is the road. I mean, uh, you look at their their record on the road. Obviously, it's not, it's not your Spurs esque type of record. Uh, they're actually fourteen and twenty four now after this loss to the Wizards overall. And since February first, like you mentioned, they're two and nine. And, and this is something where even as great as they were playing at home during that six game win streak, this, their their road defense just isn't there still. You mentioned the forty one point third quarter to Milwaukee, and then even before Aldridge got hurt uh, tonight, you know they were already down double digits again. That, that it was the defense again. They were the, the Wizards already had like almost thirty plus before LA even got hurt. So so that's something that 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 um. What do you think that is? Is is that? I mean, I looked at the stats, and since February first on the road, they're basically they're they're allowing 107 points per 100, which is basically like the like a 17th ranked defense. And you know, overall they're second, so so it's obviously not the same type of defense that they're bringing at home. Is this just kind of a combination of, of like on the road? It's just harder because obviously you you have more adversity because the, the the away fans are against you. Um, you know, it just becomes possessions become more critical. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to really pinpoint it, but especially, in, I think, in these two games, uh, they've struggled to... I mean, obviously, they've got some uh, defense problems, but they've also struggled offensively because a lot of times when the teams go on these runs, it's when Aldridge uh, leaves the game and is out for uh, quite a period of time, and so they're, they're looking for answers. They're looking for somebody uh, to help with that, you know, offensive, uh, to, you know, to kind of shoulder that a little bit, and they're not... They're they're still struggling to find someone else. I mean, Rudy Gay has has done it a little bit in spurts here and there, but they're they don't really have anyone in those moments to really completely turn to consistently. And so you know that that hurts the offense, and that's when they get into these lulls. And um, obviously, when uh, as as good season as uh, Marcus had on defense, when he's out, I mean, that's gonna uh, let a lot of players a lot of players gonna try to attack and and get inside, especially with the smaller. Uh, lineups that are playing right now. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good way of putting it, especially trying to, you know, it's, it, you have to really look at some of the data, but then also just kind of just getting an overall view of what's going on with their road issues. And obviously they're continuing on the defensive end and they're a culmination of what's going on in the offense too. Uh, Mike, let's get into our, our first topic of the show, which is basically the same topic of every episode, um, which is the injuries. Um, so, so like we said, um, we're recording this fresh off LaMarcus's um, injury. So we don't actually know the extent, whether or not he's going to miss games. Um, or, or, you know, maybe it's just uh, he, they just held him out for the second half. So, so we're, we don't know just right now because we're, we're live on air as we're recording this. Um, so, so again, for LaMarcus, um, Spurs cast listeners, it's a left knee contusion that he has right now. Uh, but, Mike, the, the one guy who's kind of been in the headlines still is uh, Kawhi Leonard. Um, as, of, as of after this Wizards game, there's only seven games left of the season now. The Spurs still haven't officially ruled him out. They keep putting him on a game-by-game out basis. Um, you know, the Spurs caught a lot of um, um, heat last week because, or well, not them, but, you know, the, the media circles made, made their way around the Spurs. Um, so basically, what, let's just take it, let's just go through a quick recap for the listeners, which I'm pretty sure that if they've read, they've been online, they've seen all the, what's going on here. Uh, so Manu had a quote last week when the team was taking their, um, their team photo. Uh, when he basically said, for me, he's not coming back. And people took that out of context where they thought that basically Manu said he's out for the year. But no, Manu was just saying like it's a mental thing for the team where they have to act like Kawhi's not coming back in order to just to move on. Because he it, it did look kind of bad that he even said that like basically he got his hopes up the week before when the media thought he was coming back that game against the Pelicans. And then he didn't come back. And so it, it kind of shows a little bit of a glimpse of how Manu and, and the players are. Not, not frustrated with Kawhi, but just frustrated with the whole situation where even they don't have any clar- clarity and they're kind of relying on the media to give him, you know, some sort of hope that he is coming back or he's not coming back. Some sort of view, should I say. Uh, then, Mike, um, it turns out that uh, th- then Tony Parker ca- went, went on the next day and he basically this 
again, Tony's quotes got blown out of proportion too, where he said, um, you know, yes. my, my injury was a hundred times worse than, than Kawhi's talking about his, his ruptured um, tendon, a quad last, last year in the playoffs. But again, if you actually listen to the audio rather than just reading it on, on paper, mm-hmm. Tony wasn't, you know, doing it in sort of some sort of slight. He didn't have that kind of, t- that kind of tone in his voice. Uh, but, but the media did make a, a huge, um, you know, um, uh, headline out of it. Then he also said in that same conversation, uh, that same interview that, uh, he's, he's always trusted the Spurs doctors with his career. You know, he wouldn't let basically, he had all sorts of options to to go overseas to find all sorts of different medical opinions, and and he decided to stay with San Antonio. They've been his doctors throughout his career, and they've obviously taken care of him. And so that was obviously another take. People thought that was a dig at Kawhi because basically we know that Kawhi's sought outside counsel, um, medical counsel, should I say, from um, some some doctors in New York. Uh, so then. Uh, Apparently, the Spurs. The, the news comes out that the, the Spurs had a team meeting on March 17th after they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, where um, you know ESPN reported it on more as an aggressive type meeting where players basically like were on the attack against Kawhi, basically like trying to get for him to give them a deadline: are you playing or not? Uh, whereas, whereas others, like the local media, like the Express News and and a few others, basically said that it was just more like a kind of like a healthy conversation of you know what's going on. The players had support. There's all sorts of conflicting sides here. Uh, Pop basically said, I was there for that one, where he says um, he did not know about the meeting, apparently. Um, and then, of course, you have the, some 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 different, um, you know, the hot take people. Uh, in this case, one of them, Stephen Jackson, who's a former Spur. Yeah. Obviously, his tenure in San Antonio didn't end very well because he got, he got waived right before the playoffs started. But obviously, Jack's been in the locker room before. He's been a, a player under Pop. He's played with Tony and Manu. And, J- and Jackson went out there and started saying um, that Manu and Tony basically – we're, we're getting this rumor, this uh, this message to Kawhi from Pop, basically. But obviously, that that's not 100% fact because obviously, uh, Pop's, Pop from Pop's words, he he didn't even know about the meeting. Um, so basically, Mike, it was all like a lot of drama, and still Kawhi didn't say anything. So it's really nothing in a way because uh, again, it's just I mean, the only things that we know are factors that one, the Spurs players did hold a team meeting, which to my knowledge, covering the team for six years now. I've never known that they've done that, so that's actually a new thing for me that they actually went out and did that. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's still the same thing. There's a chance he comes back or he doesn't. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because it's kind of it's something that I guess people aren't used to in San Antonio uh, for so many years. You know, it's always been kind of the same, and now that this is happening, it seems like it's it's almost like people are trying to milk it for everything now, and it's like every day it's something new. And something gets taken out of context. I think I said something on Twitter about this is what happens when you take whatever part of a quote you think is, is I guess, works for whatever your angle is. And you kind of twist it and make it into something else. Because, I mean, just search YouTube for Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard. And, and you'll have, like, all of the sports shows um, and people saying things. And uh, I think Jason Terry got a show and said something. And, and obviously Steven Jackson did his... A part, but I mean, I I listened to the audio. Uh, actually, I saw the video too. Um, pretty soon after it was reported, and I, I got the same feeling you did. It seemed kind of like low key, if anything, and that the tone wasn't there while player trying to call out another player. It seemed like, and you know, so that, that just seemed like it was blown out of portion. And now, um, now Steven Jackson's saying all these things about losing respect for Tony and calling him selfish and calling him the reason for. The reason they lost in in fourteen and um, which is just crazy. The other thing is like, if Pop wanted to send a message to anybody, I think we all know that Pop's not shy. I mean, just just look at what he said. I think before the last game, uh, I don't think he has any problems saying anything he wants to. 
So it's kind of, I think it's kind of funny that that, that whole part came into it. Like, well, it was like directly from, from Pop. Like, nah, he probably would have said something if he really felt like it. So it's it's like a lot about nothing to me right now. And and it's, you know, it's like a lot of people are saying, well, if he would just come out and say something. I'm like, that happened like three weeks ago or two weeks ago. People are saying, well, if he would just say something and he finally came out and said something. He's not going to come out every other day just because of something to report and like have a press conference because of you know some other you know report that comes out it's it's not going to happen he said everything he's going to say he probably if he did come out he probably end up saying the same thing like nothing's going to change on that front so um it's just going to be a lot of like speculation and like until you hear something like directly from the te- uh, you know the team or him uh, it's it's kind of one of those things you kind of stick with a, a grain of salt until you see something actually happen um the whole will he return or won't he is, is kind of uh, you just you just don't know. I mean, you and I talked about this last time I was on, and we kind of tried to give like a ballpark figure of how many games before you just call it. And I think you and I both said around fifteen. Um, we're, we're past, way that, past that point now. <laughs> we're like way past that, so it's kind of like you know, it's 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 one of those things. Obviously, you're gonna have to judge when he comes back. You know, how much does he help? What kind of situation he's in how what's his stamina level at you know and it's is there a, a high chance of re-injury so it's it's not something that's going to be if people are looking for clarity they're probably not going to get it until he's actually out on the floor whether that's like in the playoffs uh, some late game this season or next season so again it's just one of those things that you're probably not going to get a ton of clarity on anytime soon I, I think that's the key word right there would you just say clarity um you know, this is a situation as far as like the, the time that I've been covering the Spurs that I've never seen a situation like this, and I think that's why a lot of the fan base is such in um you know an uproar is that is that um there's no clarity like you mentioned like we we know that Pop has a track history and he's even said it with Tim Duncan as his example of like if you're not ready by a certain amount of games I'm shutting you down for the playoffs you're, you're more you, you mean more to the franchise for the long term rather than the short term so that's one thing the fact that <laughs> there's seven games left and they still haven't shut him down a hundred percent just yet. Um, so, so that's like a new territory right there. Then we have this whole players meeting only kind of thing that that's a new one too, that, that I've never, like I mentioned, I've never heard of. Maybe they did, maybe they did do them in the past, but they had such a good job of keeping stuff out of as far as the national media, getting a hold of that kind of information. Um, so, so again, these are just new roads that, that the Spurs are traveling down. And then even Kawhi's case, I mean, this is something new with his injury where, where the Spurs, doctors have cleared him, but then he's got some outside counsel. He personally probably doesn't feel well enough just yet to play so this is another situation too so so i think you're right it's just the the unfamiliarity the, the lack of clarity that that no one's getting from this whole from either side from the spurs side from Kawhi's side uh from the media side from everyone the fan side uh it, it's kind of just made made this whole this whole situation um you know very i guess i would say like uncomfortable for everyone that that's kind of associated that has to cover this team that has to root for the team uh in, in that perspective and you know what there's still still there's still no clarity too that's coming in the in the future just yet because again if he might still play in the regular season, he might still play in the playoffs if they qualify, or we don't know what's going to happen with the whole summer. You know, whether he's got that supermax coming up, is he's, is, are they going to try to use some leverage and not give it to him? You know, there's just all sorts of crazy what ifs coming around. Uh, like we've kind of talked about, um, you know, you and I uh, about what can happen this summer. Uh, let's move on, Mike, from the injury situation. Um, let's go to our second topic. And, and this is more so I was, um, you know, I was thinking about the all-defensive teams because obviously the season only has a few more weeks here and then the playoffs are going to get started. So so national media writers, 
uh, members, should I say, were, are going to have to turn in their, their, their all the NBA team ballots, their all defensive team, and all their pl- individual player awards. So I was thinking about the Spurs' defense the other day when I was, um, when I was doing my 10 games um, analysis piece uh, after game 72. And, you know, they're still right there, second best defensive team in the league. I mean, elite numbers, you know, top 10 in almost every single category. And this is this is ins- this is really remarkable considering, like we mentioned, Kawhi hasn't been here all year, been available. He's, he's only played in nine games. So when you think about their defensive player of the year guy, their, their two-time um, defensive player of the year being out for most of the season, and yet they're still a two, uh, uh, the second best defense in the league. Uh, and they're just barely um, away from Boston from being the overall best defense. I think that's more players than just Danny Green should probably get some um, some sort of um, ag- ag- um, you know recognition. So, so Mike, let's have a little conversation about uh, two players who I think that have, have definitely fueled this defense. And I wonder if they're going to be um, if you think there will be names who, who the national media might might spotlight for one of the all defensive uh, team names. Uh, I mean spots. Uh, so, so Mike, the first guy is Dejounte Murray. You know, he's a young point guard. He doesn't have that. That uh, should I say like that? That Patrick Beverly, uh, Kawhi, Draymond Green style of like I'm gonna lock you down for a possession. Yeah, he doesn't have that for him. I think I think we all know that he hasn't quite developed that type of style yet. But he has the numbers. I mean, numbers. You could go deep analytic stuff. Uh, you can go just the the base numbers. You know, with his rebounding. Uh, and 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 everything supports the kid as one of the best uh, guard defenders in the league. Um, so first, let's start, let's start with Murray here. What do you think about Murray's chances? Now, remember, uh, for the all-defensive team first team, there's two guard spots. And then for the second team, there's also two guard spots. Um, last year, Chris Paul was on the first team. Patrick Beverly, who's hurt this year, was on the, on the first team. Tony Allen, who's basically out of the league, uh, was on the second team. And Danny Green was on the second team also. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I think pretty much everything you've seen from from DeJounte Murray, you know, even though he's had the, I think he's had some offensive struggles here and there. The reason I think he's starting, uh, you know, above just having him in there and getting some valuable uh, game experience and, and starting experience is because of what he brings defensively. Uh, he's he's at, at least at point guard, he's probably the, the best defensive point guard. I mean, the rebounding is crazy. I mean, you see that every game, and it, some, somehow it still surprises me to see him like Skinder over you know, uh, the Spurs bigs and, and get rebounds. And, you know, you're right. He doesn't have that kind of lockdown style yet, but he's, he's been smart enough to, to know, you know, where the passes are going and he kind of gets in the passing lanes or he gets a jump on, on, uh, a passes and he picks them off. And he's done that really well, especially lately. And if, if you look at all the numbers and like his, uh, defensive numbers, and if you even get into advanced stats, I mean, you know, he's, he's, Way up there, um, with uh, you know, with a lot of the point guards in the league. Unfortunately, because I think because he's such a young player and because he's, you know, he's a point guard and, and there's quite a few really good guards in general defensively. He might not get the recognition, but of aside from from Dangan, I probably I think he would have the best chance just because of everything he's done uh, so far and. And that that you know increases immense, but you know he's just making like, smart plays defensively, and and that's one part of his game I've seen really develop because I didn't really see a lot. Of, I mean, you saw the rebounding last year, but uh, the steals, the way he's been able to do that this year, has been something that wasn't exactly there last season. And, and he's still super young, and so we might still see a lot more. I'm not sure whether he'll be that lockdown type player, but. Uh, you know, you're starting to see some hesitation when he's got other guards looking to pass the ball because they know that he's got the length and he can pick those passes off. So, 
I'd like to see him get some recognition, but it might be hard, especially on the first second team for sure. Yeah, I just want to read you some numbers that, you know, I, I did some research. And, you know, if you plug in all guards, you know, just players listed as guards, and, and you know, they, at least they've played 50 games at the minimum. He's number one in defensive rating, 97 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. Uh, among um, defensive real plus minus from ESPN, that stat, that's, that's, a, that's a stat right there that yeah. a lot of people like to use. To, uh, he, he has a uh, defensive real plus minus of 3.72, which is first among all wow. point guards. Um, yeah. You know, block percentage, he's he's 0.9%, uh, um, which is 91st according to Cleaning the Glass, which is really good for point guard. Um, steal percentage, 2.2% of, of uh, the Spurs' steals come from him, 84th. That's that's a good stat, too. His fouls aren't that great. He does foul um, on 3.7% of the team fouls, which is a 24th among point guards, which isn't that great. That's still one of the areas he needs to work on, his discipline in terms of not fouling. And then, uh, of course, we know his rebounding. Um, you know, he grabs 20.1% of the Spurs' um, defensive rebounds, available rebounds, and uh, that's in the 90th percentile among point guards. So, from my perspective, knowing that it's national media who who gets to vote on this award, select media, yeah. I feel like the the guys who the the, the, guy, the guys and girls who are, uh, men and women should I say not guys and girls men and women who are uh, who, who kind of look at it from like more of an analytics based standpoint, I think that they're going to favor Murray over some of the other players kind of at that guard spot. Whereas it's if, if it's the player if it's the the uh, the national media members who who watch, uh, you know, just from the eye test or just kind of kind of keep an yeah. eye on who are, the, who are the big names, I think then is when Murray gets slipped by because, you know, you still have some, some big names out there. You, got, you have a guy like Mark, Marcus Smart. Uh, you have Jalen Brown out there. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's been really good according to some of his stats. Uh, like we mentioned, Danny Green. Ben Simmons has, has been a player a lot of people have talked about. Uh, Ricky Rubio's been good this year. Victor Oladipo, Kyle Lowry. And those are all also top 10 defensive teams that they're on. So, again, I feel like he doesn't quite have the name just yet, like you mentioned. So mm-hmm. I think that... Until he can kind of put, um, you know, that that lockdown mentality in, into the into the into the um, the viewing uh, t- type of aspect of the game, where, where people can see, oh, you know, Murray's going to guard that guy. He's about to he's just about to shut him down for a few possessions, like how Kawhi does or Draymond Green does. Then I think that he'll 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 take that step into the national spotlight. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he does get in. But then again, it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't. So so uh, let's move on to the next player, Mike. Do you think um, Danny Green obviously made the uh, second team? All, all defense last year. Do you think that he's he's a kind of like a lock to make it again this year? I think he should be. I mean, I, I think especially with Kawhi out. I mean, obviously the, the you know the bigger assignments have come to him where he's had to guard usually the um, other team's best player. And I think we're seeing like a an increase in all of his numbers, rebounding, uh, steals are about the same, but blocks are up to uh, over one block a game, and just because. There's that added pressure without Kawhi there, who's, you know, would definitely have been probably a first-team uh, lock, if not defense player of the year. I think he should definitely get that consideration. Yeah, I mean, some of the, some of Green's numbers that I that I dug up, um, you know, um, among all, all all guards again, he's sixth with the best defensive rating, one one point five points for one hundred when he's on the floor. He holds teams to, which is a which is a, with the minimum of sixty games played. So so that's obviously shows you some of his his advanced stuff. Uh, defensive real plus minus one point six one, which is fifth among all shooting guards. Uh, we know his block percentage is is really good. Uh, you know. It, if you just plug in um, guards, he's first among all guards and blocks at 1.2 per game. So so I think Green is a lock again, and I actually think he has a, a better chance this year of making it up to the first team since uh, since uh, Beverly's out. I think somebody like him and Chris Paul or him and him and, um, you know one of those other players that I mentioned earlier have a chance of, of getting one of those top two guard spots. So I think Danny's kind of a lock as well. Uh, let's look at Aldridge, Mike. 
Um, he, he's in a tough category because he, he's kind of listed as, as a forward. But, you know, if they need to, they might be able to plug him in at center, too, because uh, there's a few guys out there. So here, here's why it's so tough for him. Look at his company he has uh, in the forward category. He's got Robert Covington, um, Al Horford, Draymond Green, um, P.J. Tucker from the Rockets, uh, Anthony Davis from the Pelicans. And then, if, and then if you plug him in at center, there's Joel Embiid, Clint Capella, Stephen Adams, and, of course, Rudy Gobert, even though Gobert's um, only played in 48 games this season. Uh, so what do you think about Aldridge's chances? I think his best chance is probably going to be a second team um, for sure, but he's one of the ones I think a lot of people overlook just because his rebound his rebound numbers have never been like you know off the charts. I think maybe like his last couple of years in in uh, Portland they are pretty high, but they've never in San Antonio they've never been super high, especially when you have you know now when you have a guy like Dejounte Murray going in there and getting the amount of rebounds he's been getting. Um, obviously, you know that's one twenty rebounds you can get, but I feel like. That's why he gets overlooked sometimes, and you know, for people that look just at the the basic um, stats, I think they could overlook him. But if you look at what what he does, you know, with with his matchup, and you know, he's not he's not, I guess, the prototypical rim defender. But I feel like he's done a pretty good job of that this year, especially because he's had to play with a a smaller lineup uh, where he's most of the time he's really you know the biggest guy in there and kind of playing at center. Uh, I feel like he's he's done well with you know what like three guards and Kyle Anderson there with him. Uh, so I, I feel like yeah, for sure second team there's a possibility, but he may be overlooked as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that he's probably going to get overlooked, even though you know he's been really good too. You know the numbers support him too. Um, he doesn't have as many eye popping numbers as, as Green and, um, and and Murray do. Uh, you know, first of all, on, on the floor, he's ninth among forwards um, with a defensive rating of one hundred one point five points per one hundred when he's out there. Um, you know, like you mentioned, his his rebounding doesn't just doesn't like stick out as far as a big man as, as your traditional big man. Uh, five point one defensive rebounds, which is twelfth among forwards. You know, not that great of a stat. Um, one point two blocks per game. You know, fifth among forwards uh, that have played at least sixty games. And, and then uh, even like his defensive real plus minus stat doesn't look very good. One point two two, which is twenty fifth among power forwards. Um, one thing he does very well though is um, at his position is uh, among bigs, according to cleaning the glass. Um, he only fouls on 2.7% of the Spurs' um, team fouls, which is a 93rd percentile. So, again, he doesn't have that much support. And, again, more more of his stuff is the stuff that you don't kind of see on the paper, on, on the stat sheet. It's more of, like, you know, you know, calling out rotations, being in the right spot at the right time, you know, deterring someone from the rim. He may not get the block, but he's at least going to be in the way and make that make that, that driver try to go a different route or try to pass the ball. So I think you're right. Uh, I think that, that uh, he's probably going to get overlooked as well. Um Mike, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home 
all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Okay, you're, you're, you're tuned into SpursCast, episode 488. My name is Paul Garcia. I am joined by Project Spurs' Michael DeLeon. If you're on Twitter, please follow him, at MDeLeon. Um, Mike, we, we, I didn't really get to promote because of the scheduling. I didn't get to promote this on Twitter to, to send any, any questions. So I, I kind of just have one leftover question from the last episode. Um, it's, more, it's a question from an email um, listener. So, th- so their question was, uh, can you please compare Patty Mills to all your possible two matchups? I guess they mean shooting guard matchups you'd see in the playoffs. So I, I didn't think it was fair to – just because he doesn't – even though he has, he plays – on paper he plays a shooting guard, he doesn't necessarily guard – a lot of the shooting guards in the league, uh, it kind of, it kind of on. They, Pop will put him on whoever. If it's a playoff situation, Pop's going to put Patty on either somebody who's not going to attack him, uh, where he's going to need to draw a double team, uh, double team help, should I say, or someone uh, or, or a player who might who might just be more so of a spot up shooter. So, so let's look at two situ- situations like this, Mike. Um, according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, Patty plays what's called a combo position. So what I did was I put the current teams one through eight. Uh, and, and I listed their combo. So let's kind of have, to have a, a little game of, you know, I guess you'd say who is better or, or who would you take. So let's go through some matchups here. Patty Mills or Sean Livingston. So, uh, sorry, let's start off with the, with the Rockets, not the Warriors. My bad. I forgot the Warriors aren't number one anymore. Uh, let's start with the Rockets, Mike. This is pretty easy. Uh, the only combo guard the Rockets have is James Harden. Who do you think, who do you take in that matchup over Patty, Patty Mills or James Harden? Yeah, it's funny because James Harden, I mean, as as bad as he's been defensively for, I mean, he's James Harden, and he's he had probably probably the favorite to an MVP right now. So I mean, that's, there's no there's really nothing you can even say about that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one's an easy one. We're not going to be going to debate that one. Uh, Harden's obviously way better than Patty in, in that situation. Uh, Golden State Warriors, Sean Livingston or Patty Mills? Yeah, I mean, Golden State's interesting just because you know Steph's injured and and Sean Livingston. I feel like. They've gotten probably a little bit more production out of like Quinn Cook, uh, so that one's pretty close to me. I, I think. I mean, and it also depends on how things are falling for Patty. Uh, you know, Livingston's a, a bit a taller guy to have to match up against, but um, I, I think that that's pretty close to to even with probably slight edge to, to Livingston. Okay, yeah, I think that. Livingston gets a slight edge, but but I also think that it's kind of hard to compare them because again they have two different skill sets. Livingston's bringing you uh, good defense, a post of game on offense, um, also the mid range jumper off screens. You know can, can also run the team like Patty, whereas Patty's more of like a, a, a shooting guard where he's kind of coming off screen action. He can hit off the off the off the pick. Um, a three-pointer he's mainly a spot-up shooter and then of course defensively he, he's not known as that's not really his fort his area of strength but he at least does give you like that energetic type of play um let's look at portland uh actually no we're gonna skip portland because it's basically mccollum we know mccollum is better than mills um <laughs> okay so he's another one you know felton or patty mills i, I think i go with, i think i'd actually go with patty there and everybody's probably laughing at me right now just because that pat as i wrote about <laughs> uh was it yesterday? Everybody's kind of on the, the hating Patty uh, Mills wagon right now, but um, I think I'd actually go with, with Patty there, it's especially if between them. I feel like uh, Patty's done enough uh, good things, and you know, as much as much um, for some reason, as much criticism as he's given about his defense, 
I feel like against uh, smaller guards, he does a pretty good job. So uh, I'll go with Patty. Yeah, and let's just go ahead and like on the literal question, it's about possible matchups. So so in this scenario, we're, not, we're kind of taking out salary. Obviously, you know, you probably. Oh, yeah. We don't want Mills' salary compared to, to Felton, but yeah, you're right. No. I think I'd go with, with Mills, too. He brings more, a little bit more than, than Felton does. Obviously, Felton, um, you know, he, he's, he's not as much of, of a spot-up shooter. He can kind of run an offense, but he's not quite at that level that he used to be at back in the days with the uh, Charlotte Bobcats. Uh, let's go to the Pelicans. Let's actually skip this one, too. The Pelicans have Drew Holiday as their only um, combo guard, so Holiday is obviously uh, better yeah, than Mills in this situation. Uh, Utah. This one's interesting. Uh, obviously, we're going to give the edge to Donovan Mitchell because he's the uh, he's yeah. another combo guard for the Jazz. But Dante Exum's an interesting one. Who do you have there? Uh, I've got Patty in this one as well. I, uh, yeah, Exum. I feel like is it can, can be inconsistent a lot of times. You never know exactly what's what you can get with him. Um, and Patty, well, obviously, as I wrote about, either the shots going to go in or not. But I feel like you know. You've got more of a, you know exactly what you've got in in, in him and what he's going to be doing on the floor. Um, with Exum, you're just never sure. I mean, he has he has a lot of, uh, you know, different games where sometimes he he goes off and sometimes he just has a, a long stretch of, of tough games. Yeah, exactly. I go with Patty in this one over um over Exum and again because one Exum's kind of kind of coming off the injury, so we don't even know if he's going to get back to that that plain form to be ready to be a yeah. rotation player for the Jazz in the playoffs. So you, you have more consistency and you kind of know what Patty brings to your team. Uh, the last one is Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Derek Rose or Patty Mills? Gosh. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a lot of Derek Rose. I, I really haven't seen a lot of Derek Rose's games uh, with the Timberwolves. I know that first game he played with them, he looks pretty good. But it, I, I feel like Derek Rose is still kind of an unknown uh, quality type player, and, and again, I've, I've, I've said the same thing about it before, and I feel like with Patty, that's not the case. So, um, yeah, so I think I go with Patty, especially I feel like while he's had he had a bad game uh, the last game against uh, Milwaukee, he's, he's, he's put together some pretty good games uh, recently. So, I think going into the playoffs that'll that'll help. Yeah, and I think judging by some of the Wolves fans, uh, you know, they they'd rather have Patty too. Just uh, there's a guy on there on Twitter named Patrick Fennell, and he's a big Wolves, he's a Wolves yeah. um, media, media guy, and uh, he kind of constantly on Twitter he complains about um of Derrick Rose because Tibbs gives him so many minutes, and you know he, he's more of an of an offensive only kind of player where not not like Patty where he kind of spreads out the floor, but more so like he's taking you know twos off the off the dribble. Uh, he's taking shots away from Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, and uh, well, Jimmy's really hasn't really played with him, but. Uh, but but Andrew Wiggins, so I think that he kind of hurts their team chemistry a little bit more. Whereas Patty, I think is is good because on his side with the, with the Spurs, because again he's kind of just being a floor spacer for Lamarcus and for um and for any of their their guys trying to attack the paint and be ready to shoot. Um, so Mike, the reason why I, you know I, I did combos again there, and, and one thing is that like I just want to note uh, that in the, let's just say the Spurs did play any of these eight teams, Pop's gonna put Patty again on on certain matchups, and I think that's what that's what people need to realize is that. Like if you're playing Houston around one pop and, and they're starting Tucker, uh, I think Pop's not putting Patty on Chris Paul or James Harden. I think he's putting him on on, on PJ Tucker. You know, yeah. if you're playing the, the Warriors, the Warriors are tricky for Patty. I think he has to guard Clay Thompson. That's probably the only place you can kind of hide him uh, yeah, against Portland. On <laughs> exactly right uh, against Portland. I think Mo Harkis is a safe place for Patty to kind of stay, mm-hmm. so that way Murray and um, Danny Green can guard a uh, uh, CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard. Uh, OKC, you know, whoever they're starting at that three, which is Ferguson, Brewer, or Brinas, you know, Patty's okay guarding those guys. Uh, New Orleans, again, Etan Moore, Patty's okay against that matchup. 
The one matchup that could be tough for Patty if the Spurs do play them is Utah. You know, he, he would have to guard Joe Ingles or Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And then, of course, Minnesota, uh, Wiggins or Jeff T. That's a tough matchup, too. So, so you know, it, it's it, on paper, yes, he does start at the shooting guard right now because Kawhi's out and the whole and they have had to start small. But overall, if it's a playoff situation, Pop's not going to make him go out there and guard James Harden or Steph Curry or any of these or Russell Westbrook or any of these guys. Um, he, yeah. He's, he's going to guard, you know, the, the probably the least um, uh, impactful offensive player. Okay, Mike, let's go ahead and go into our predictions for the Spurs' next four games. Um, so because we didn't – before I prepped this uh, podcast, before we knew about the LaMarcus injury, let's go ahead and make these predictions on the assumption that this is kind of just a minor injury for Aldridge and he won't miss any of these coming these upcoming games. Uh, so, so, Mike, the first game, the Spurs re- return home Thursday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the teams are 1-1 one and one in, in, their, in their series overall. Um, the Thunder are 44 and 31 on the season, fourth in the Western Conference, 18 and 19 on the road, seven and three in their last 10. Uh, they have the eighth best offense and 10th best defense per cleaningtheglass.com. Who do you have Thursday between San Antonio, Oklahoma, assuming LaMarcus is able to play? Yeah, I mean, this is one where I, 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 it's like I want to say the Spurs will have to listen to us because I know that, uh, Carmelo struggled a lot, and I think if he would draw uh, Lamarck Aldridge, that would be tough. And then they'd have to use, uh, you know, they'd have to use uh, another player on him, and, and and he would probably cause some problems there. But if you look at what they've done, they've lost some games, but they've lost them against playoff teams like the Celtics and Trailblazers, and they've actually been in those games. And anytime you know you're playing against Russell Westbrook, uh, you never know really what to expect, I and mean, you you know he's gonna. He's, he's obviously going to put up the numbers, and, and he kind of wills them to win, even though they haven't had the smoothest transition this year. I feel like now they're getting towards the the playoffs. Uh, they're doing a little bit better. They know what they have, and they've been able to put players in, in positions around um, Russ to do well. So I've got, um, yeah, it's probably going to be a Thursday loss to the Spurs. Okay, so you're taking a loss for the Spurs? Yeah. Okay, it's the only one. All right, I, I took a win here. Um, you know, I, I just I, I feel like this is kind of like a matchup that San Antonio hasn't seen too often, and you know they're not they're not as familiar as familiar these two teams. They haven't played each other in a while, um, so I'm taking San Antonio in this one, assuming Lamarcus is healthy. Um, let's go to the the Rockets on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Uh, Rockets are sixty and fourteen, uh, first overall out west. Uh, they're basically three and zero against the Spurs. They already have the series. Uh, Rockets are 38, 30 and eight at home, nine and one in their last ten. As we're recording this, <laughs> they have the best offense and seventh best defense. Who do you have in this one? Yeah, I think they got a nine-game win streak right now. They're playing the Suns tonight, so it's you know it's probably going to be ten straight. And they're they're hot again. They're they, they beat some good teams. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one, uh, tough one for the Spurs to to pull off. So yeah, I've got Houston in this one. Okay, I have Houston too. Um, yeah, it's just you know the Spurs haven't been able to beat them this year, and unless unless you know the Warriors were to lose more games over the week, uh, then maybe Houston considers just starting to rest people. Then maybe the Spurs would have a better chance. But outside of that, I think that that the Rockets, until they have that one seed locked up, they're going to keep going. You know, you know, for all those wins. So I, I'd have Houston in this one. Um, then Mike on Tuesday next week, the Spurs travel to Los Angeles for a two game road trip um, on a back to back set. Uh, the first game is at the Clippers on Tuesday. The Clips are 39 and 34, 10th out west. Remember, they're one of those teams that are kind of keeping the heat on the Spurs to try to keep that playoff spot. If not, the Clippers can jump in there. Uh, the Clippers are 20 and 15 at home, 5 and 5 in the last 10. Who do you? Uh, they're seventh offensively and 18th defensively. Who do you have in this one? 
I've got I've got the Spurs in this one. Uh, you know, I, I think it it takes it would take a really big game, from, and they're, they're really asking a lot from the Williams to be able to get some of the wins they've had lately over the Bucks and the Raptors. Uh, but then they've lost some games too. I mean, it seems like every time they play uh, a playoff team, uh, they've lost, and they've they went through a tough stretch where they had you know Rockets, Thunder, Trailblazers, Timberwolves, uh, and that was tough uh, for them. Uh, so I think. This comes out as a good time for the Spurs after having uh, OKC and um, Houston to, to be able to match up against the Clippers. Uh, I think they'll take it. Yeah, I I have the Spurs in this one too, and obviously the Spurs haven't seen this this new Clippers team with um you know with Blake Griffin since he's been traded basically. Uh, but I think that Santon had a favorable matchup in, in those games regardless, and I think that Lamarcus will be comfortable in that one. So I think I'm going to give that one to San Antonio as well, uh, especially since the Clippers are 18th defensively, 109.4 points for 100. So I have the Spurs there. Um, then Mike on Wednesday, the Spurs have a back to back at the Lakers. Um, Lakers are 32 and 41, 11th out West. They've already been eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, contention. Uh, they're 18 and 16 at home, a pretty good play, uh, pretty good home team, uh, and they're four and six in their last ten. But they've actually had their number on the Spurs this year. Uh, Lakers are 21st offensively and 14th defensively. Who do you have in this one? It's always hard to pick two wins on a back to back, but I, I have got this as a win. I feel like, I mean, I don't know what the situation is going to be like with um, uh, Ingram by the time they play. I mean, I, I think he was uh, going through three on three drills recently, so I'm not sure if he'll be ready for that. But I mean, they've dropped some. They've dropped a whole bunch of games recently, and uh, so I mean, I think it's going to be tough for them to pull this one out. I mean, I think that the last game was kind of a bit of an anomaly. So last time they, they beat uh, the Spurs. So yeah, I've got a back-to-back win for the Spurs. Okay, I got to I got to win for San Antonio too. One because I think the urgency where they're going to need wins just to try to hold their spot to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming a Lamarcus again is healthy, and then you know they they were up seventeen at, at home against the Lakers, and obviously the Lakers made that big comeback that that, that was really good three pointers by Lonzo late. But I think that if the Spurs kind of just play their game in the first half, it shouldn't get to that level where where the clip where the Lakers are making some sort of charge back. Um, and you know by that time, who knows if you know the the Lakers are kind of checking out by then because obviously they've already been eliminated from the. Uh, playoffs you know maybe guys are just kind of going for their own stats uh, as the season's kind of winding down for them um so so i'd have the spurs in that one so i'm actually rethinking my pick on the okc one but since i already said it i'll go ahead and stick with it i kind of now that i see it it looks more so like i think a loss for the spurs too so you have the spurs going two and two in these next four i have them going three and one but now i would not be surprised if they go two and two and again spurs cast listeners just remember that uh this as mike and i are recording this the spurs have 32 losses and the nuggets and uh, clippers have 34 losses so obviously they're trying to kind of keep the trying to keep winning games and, and not uh let the those two teams one of those two teams try to take over and, and the spurs fall out of the playoff picture thanks mike for joining me on this episode 488 again if you're on twitter follow mike at m at M. DeLeon, um, for, for everybody who, who likes to read about Patty Mills, uh, Mike wrote an excellent piece on Patty's kind of just not holding Patty so much to his salary. Obviously, that's kind of something that happens a lot. Uh, and, and Mike wrote, writes a good piece, you know, showing some of some of the, the contributions that Patty's re- uh, brought to the Spurs this season, especially with Kawhi being out most of the year. Um, if you're on Twitter, please continue to send us questions using the hashtag SpursCast. Visit at Project Spurs, at AT League underscore NBA, at the Spurs cast, and at Project Spurs Network online. Visit us at ProjectSpurs.com, analyzing the league.com and ProjectSpurs.net. And please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day.